The Productive Woman, Episode 363. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan, and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome. In this episode, we're going to talk about college and specifically about attending college as an adult. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 363. This episode is brought to you by one of my very favorite productivity tools, Text Expander. They've been a longtime supporter, but I've been a longtime fan since a long time before they started sponsoring the podcast. Text Expander is a great tool that allows you to create what they call snippets or abbreviations for longer bits of text that you might otherwise have to retype over and over or copy and paste frequently. And what's great about Text Expander is it's cloud-based and it updates your snippets on all your devices so you can use them when you work in the office or at home, wherever you are. You can make your snippets more powerful with fill-ins, pop-ups, and more, so your messages are customized instead of just boilerplate text. It's really a great tool. I have so many snippets that I use for pieces of text that I have to use frequently, whether it's for my law practice or for the productive woman. For instance, the email that I send to guests to prepare them for our interview, that is a snippet that I can fill in blanks and, you know, update it and customize it to the specific guest, but it saves me having to copy and paste or retype things over and over again. Uh, It's available for not just for individual use, but there's text expander for teams that's available for companies. So you can manage and share snippets with your teams and departments, whether at work or at an organization that you're a part of. It works on all your computers and mobile devices. So there's text expander available for Mac OS, for Windows-based computers, for Chrome-based devices, iPhone and iPad. So you can expand those snippets and save that time, whether you're in the office or working from home or at school, like we're going to talk about now uh, in this episode. What's great about the company that creates Text Expander, besides the fact that it's just such a great tool, is they are interested in helping us use it well. So they host interesting webinars every month that will allow you to learn more about how you can make it work for you. So you can sign up for Text Expander beginner, advanced, and teams webinars to learn more about how it works and boosting your productivity with Text Expander. You can find all of their webinars at textexpander.com slash webinar. 
And as they have for quite some time now, Text Expander is offering a special deal for listeners of The Productive Woman. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about how it works and to get 20% off your first year of this indispensable productivity tool. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. And make sure you let them know that The Productive Woman sent you. All right, let's get into this week's topic. This was directly inspired by a question that Lisa sent to me about going to school, to college as an adult. I was specifically asked to talk about my experience as a college student and then a law student as an adult while still raising a family. As I looked into this, I realized there this may be of interest to a lot of you. Uh, I did a little research on the statistics about adult students. One article that I read said that according to EAB, a research firm in the education sector, 38% of undergraduates are considered adult learners, that is older than 25. And the article says this number of adult undergraduates is now projected to grow 21% by 2022. So adults going back to college to add to their existing degrees or finished degrees they once started is becoming, this article says, increasingly common. Several articles I read note that a majority of adult students returning to college after an absence are women. I'm one of them, as I said, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Another thing that I thought was interesting is uh, that it's never too late to go back to school. Several of the articles that I read describe students uh, attending universities at different levels between the ages of 25 and uh, 69 and even older. So students, according to all the statistics, go back to school, adults go back to school, to college or to graduate school for a lot of different reasons. They may be wanting to change careers. Maybe they want to improve opportunities for advancement in their current career, or they want to update their skills or develop new skills and expertise. Uh, A pretty big number of them go back to finish a degree that they had started some time before Or maybe they're going for an advanced degree. Maybe they got their bachelor's some time ago, but now they're going back for a graduate degree or to professional school, like law school, medical school, or something like that. One of the reasons that several articles talked about why students maybe go back to college later in life is because they maybe reach a stage in life when they can actually afford the time and the expense of college. Not everybody coming out of high school can afford to go to college. And so some choose another path, whether it's because of finances or just because they're just not ready for college. And uh, I have a couple kids who went from high school into the military and then went back later and finished college. So uh, my, my two oldest sons, uh, one of them is still in the Navy, has been since a year after he got out of high school. So he did a year of college, then he went into the Navy. He's been in there ever since. And he, while in the Navy, finished uh, his undergrad degree, went back to school and, you know, did remote learning and that sort of thing and got his undergrad degree. Our second 
son, uh, Benjamin, just is finishing up his undergrad degree, too. He was in the Navy and then in the Army. Now he's working and married and has a, a little boy, but he's gone back to school and finished that degree and is going on to graduate school. So a lot of people do that when they're later in life, they're ready you know, emotionally, psychologically ready, or financially ready to go back to school. And that may be the case for you. I do want to back up and say that although I'm talking a lot about adults going back to school, some of what I have to say here is applicable to you, even if you are a more traditional college student that you're in the midst of studying. And I know I, I've heard from some of you uh, some of the listeners to this podcast who are college students in their early 20s. And I'm so honored that you choose to listen. Uh, hopefully some of this will be of interest to you. And uh, in any event, I'd love to hear from you about your experience that can kind of add to what we're talking about here. So those are some of the statistics uh, about adult students in college. I thought I would share a little bit about my experience, what happened, why I did what I did, kind of what's my background for talking about this. And then we're going to get into uh, talking about some of the challenges that adult students face uh, going back to college or starting college for the first time later in life, and some tips for success in that area for managing it well. So my experience, I've said before, uh, Mike and I got married very young. We were 18. It was less than a year after we graduated from our respective high schools. So we got married young, you know, started working, did different things. And then we both started college, already married at age 20, and did our first year of undergraduate school at that time. And that was the same year our oldest daughter, Rachel, was born. So I was a student at that when she, I was pregnant with her when she was born. You're going to hear a little more about Rachel here in just a minute. Uh, so we, we did that first year of undergrad, and then we moved across country uh, for Mike to take a job with uh, playing music with a, a musician. Uh, we spent a year in Michigan and then went back to Washington State, where we had been before, and I went back to school for another year after our second child was born. So uh, the timeline's a little crazy here. But anyway, in those early years of our marriage, I got the first couple of years of my college education in place. And then there was a 10-year gap. So 10 years, two more kids later, I went back to school to finish my undergraduate degree. So at that time, we had four kids and our fifth child was born a couple of weeks after finals of my junior year. So I was at that stage of my life, kind of balancing or juggling, if you want to say it, that, being a wife, being a mom, homeschooling the two older kids and giving birth. Uh, I taught child birth classes during a period of that time uh, and finishing my undergraduate degree. Right after I finished my undergrad degree, and that I was 35 at that time, then we moved across country again to New York, where I went directly to law school. Uh, at that time, our oldest child was, I think, 14, and our youngest was a year old. So that was my process of getting my education. I had started at 20, 
and then had this 10-year gap while I was having kids and being a wife and mom and doing other things, and then went back to school and finished my undergraduate degree and went on to law school. Now, what's interesting is now, right now, 20 plus years later, our oldest daughter, Rachel, that I mentioned a minute ago, is doing the same thing. So she started college right out of high school and did a couple of years of college, but then she got married and started her family. And now she has four daughters. And last year she decided, so it's what, I want to say 14 years after she had, or maybe 12 years after she had started college, uh, she would, she'll have to correct me if I'm getting the dates wrong. But anyway, more than 10 years after her last year of, of college, she has gone back uh, last year to finish a degree, an undergraduate degree in preparation to be a teacher. And she turned 40 this year. While she's in the midst of doing all this, um, she's finishing up that undergrad degree and taking graduate level courses because she wants to get a master's degree in music education uh, to prepare to be a teacher. So this is a a new career for her, something new and different uh, that she has decided to do. She and her husband have those four daughters. I asked her for her thoughts on this experience of going back to school as an adult later in life. And some of that I'll share later on. But one thing I wanted to mention now that she finds better now as an older student than when she was just out of high school, because I asked her about that. I know what my experience was when I went back later on, and I wanted to hear her thoughts. And here's, here's what she said. She said, I have better time management skills now, and I'm more focused She said, I'm more motivated to do well, so I'm not wasting my time or money. And and so she's comparing that to when she went into college right out of high school. Uh, She was, you know, maybe less motivated to focus on education. She told me she likes being in school now much more than she did when she was younger, partly because she knows why she's there and what she wants. So she said she's more focused and she's not distracted by friends or college life, the things that uh, she was interested in when she was 18. Uh, She's not as distracted by what everybody else is doing. She's there for a reason. She knows what that reason is. And she's finding herself more able to focus on excelling, doing the work and, and excelling at it. And that was my experience as well in going back to school later on in life. I mean, I was already married when I started college, but I was young. I was 20. And so going back then in my 30s, it was a very different experience. I knew I was there. I was very focused, just like Rachel said. So what are some of the challenges that are specific to going back to school later in life, or whether you're starting your college experience for the first time, or going back to finish a degree or or expand your skills or any of the other reasons we talked about. Probably the biggest challenge you hear about, and this is certainly true for my experience and what Rachel has said for her as well, and that's just balancing life and 
school. You have uh, later in life, your family responsibilities, maybe a job that you're doing, you know, if you're working while going to school. This is one of the things that Rachel mentioned as being the a big challenge, just kind of juggling it all, managing, taking care of her family and her home, um, working part-time, doing the different things, and trying to do well at school. And any article that you read about the, the experience of going to school as an adult student that is 25 years old and older, this is one that comes up a lot. And that makes sense. But we have experience doing that already. A lot of us were we're maybe already juggling more than one role and more than one responsibility. Adding school into it adds a new layer of complexity, but we have the skills to do it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. The bottom line is to take it a day at a time and um, balance, adjust the balance as you go to do what's right for you and your family. Other challenges that adult students might have in going to school it might be financial, a lack of funds. Sometimes adult students don't qualify for loans. And if you've got a budget that's already dealing with a mortgage or car payments or braces for the kids or any of those sorts of things, there can be financial challenges as well. Now, if you are a good student, you can still you still may be able to get some sort of scholarship aid or something like that. And the purpose of this episode is not to talk about that, but I would just say, don't let that discourage you. If you've thought about going back to school, there are ways to make it work. A third specific challenge that uh, older students or adult students can experience is just a, a lack of confidence. And, um, you know, that feeling of, well, what if I'm not cut out for college? And sometimes that comes for for students who started college when they were younger and maybe didn't do so well, and they wonder if they're going to be able to do it. They, you know, maybe walked away from that earlier experience feeling like I just don't have what it takes. Um, that certainly, uh, although I had done well in school in those early years, when I went back ten years later, I. I had a real lack of confidence. I still have vivid memories of walking onto campus the first day after I'd been admitted. I was going in there to to register and do some things. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? I don't belong here. One article that I read called Overcoming the Challenges of Going Back to School as an Adult Learner had this to say, Many people think back to high school or to prior college experiences and remember the challenges they had, whether it was with the work itself, time management, or a lack of motivation and engagement. Some believe that it's been too long, that having spent years out of the classroom means that they won't be able to make school work for them again. And some worry about sticking out or feeling out of place in a classroom filled with students much younger than them. All of those things are common experiences, common fears, maybe if you want to put it that way, of people going back to college as an adult or going back to school as an adult. Although honestly, I think 
young students feel some of these same things when they start school for the first time. It's just maybe exacerbated if you've had that long gap between your school experiences, but it's a common challenge that a lot of us feel, and it can be overcome. And then the fourth challenge that I thought about that this that article also kind of touched on is just feeling out of place when you're surrounded by people younger than you. Uh, maybe that they're they're all you know young single adults they're still in the dating game and maybe you're not when i asked rachel about the challenges she's noticing now going back to school all these years later the very first thing she said was i am the oldest person in all of my classes and you know that was a common experience for me as well and so that can make you feel a little out of place and it's something you just need to be aware of and know that there are advantages to being an older student um, and we'll talk a little bit about those as we get into it so the last thing i wanted to talk about here was just a few tips that came to mind for successfully managing school and a family and, you know, adult life at the same time. And these are some of the things that I would say also apply to younger students in college or graduate school, uh, but specifically and particularly they're valuable to us as adults going back after some time away from school. And so the first thing I would say is use all the tools we talk about on this podcast for being productive. The the basic tools of writing things down. So maintain a comprehensive calendar that everything goes into. Maintain a task list where you write things down because all of those tools that we've talked about for the last, however, you know, 360 some episodes of this podcast and any other productivity resource that you listen to. I I find that people who listen to this one often are listening to some of the other productivity podcasts. Everything you've learned from there and from your life experience about managing time, put those tools to good use when you go back to school. So for example, when you start a class, the first day of class, if not sooner, they're going to give you a syllabus that often will outline when exams will be, uh, when papers will be due, all of those sorts of things. As soon as you get that, I mean that day, sit down and go through the, your syllabus for each class and calendar those exams, those paper or project due dates, any of those sorts of dates that you can glean from a syllabus from each class, get it on your calendar immediately. Immediately with alarms or alerts set for some period ahead of time to remind you so that nothing slips through the cracks. Because when you've got lots of balls in the air that you're juggling, you want to have a place where you've got everything written down, one source that you can go to so you can check it and know what's coming up and be prepared for it. In addition to those deadlines and exam dates and all those sorts of things, uh, you know, calendar your breaks from school because you might want to use that time for whether it's for studying or for family things. Uh, but in addition to all of that, put calendar your class time, fill it in. When are your class dates and when are you going to study? 
I, I certainly encourage you to be very intentional about scheduling regular study times rather than trying to cram right before exams. I say this to the young students and I say this to the adult students in particular. If you wait to the last minute to work on a paper or a project or to study for an exam, you run the risk of a child being sick or, uh, you know, something happening at the house that needs repairs that you've got to attend to or any number of things that can happen. And it, if, when you have lots of things on your plate, it becomes even more important to work on things incrementally, a little at a time and schedule those regular study times or paper writing times or whatever every week. And maybe it's not going to be the same time every week, but, uh, you know, every Sunday night, look at the week ahead and say, all right, when am I going to study during this week? And sometimes one of the things that I did was make use of gaps between class times. So I always tried to schedule because I had, you know, kids to take care of and a home to run and that sort of thing. I always tried to schedule my classes so that they were kind of grouped together. And so maybe on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had classes at 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Or, and then on Tuesday and Wednesday, I had, you know, classes, I would find classes that were maybe if not back to back, were both in the morning or both in the afternoon or something like that, so that I could consolidate my time and not be running back and forth to school, but get everything knocked out at, uh, you know, in a con consolidated period of time. And the other thing I would do is if there were gaps on, say, a day when I had two or three classes, and maybe there's an hour between two classes, I would use that for study time. I would go into the library and sit down and work on my paper or study my notes from the classes before or, you know, find a place to study on campus, sit in the, you know, if they had a cafeteria or something, go go grab my lunch and, and sit there and, and study uh, rather than just wasting that time. So putting that all on your calendar helps you identify those times when you can study. So use the tools that you have at your disposal, the ones you've developed as you have, have worked on your journey of making a life that matters and being productive. All those tools will serve you well now. The second tip or, or suggestion that I would make is before you get started with classes, simplify your life wherever you can. Set aside some of your other sort of optional commitments for a while you really got to think about what's important during the school session. You know, if you've got a family, you, you want to be there for your family. You, you certainly want to do well in your school work. What else? If you have a job, you got to make time for that. Everything else probably is optional for during the school period and can be, you know, put off for spring break or summer break or that sort of thing. Simplify your calendar, your schedule where you can defer commitments and simplify things around the house. So for instance, make a list of simple, quick to prepare meals that you know your family will eat and shop maybe less often to stock up on the ingredients you need for those meals so that you can 
quickly put meals on the table without having to spend a lot of time shopping or a lot of time cooking. Find those simple ones. When possible, double recipes and freeze half of it for another time. So if you make I don't know, a stew or something, make double the recipe and freeze half of it. So you've got a meal on tap for another time when maybe you're, you're in a crunch time for, for exams or something like that. You can pull that out of the freezer and not have to, you know, you've already done the work. Maybe during school breaks, cook ahead, you know, make several meals or that you can, again, store in the freezer. So you've got them ready to go. You know, I when I say simplify your life wherever you can, the examples I'm giving are related to meal prep, but that's kind of a big time commitment that for a lot of us. And so that's one thing you can simplify. Simplify your household routines, simplify your life wherever you can so that you can focus most of your time, energy, and attention on the things that are most important to you during this time of your life. Kind of connected to that, I would say, is the third suggestion, and that is to certainly get your family on board. So if you are married and have a family, you know, make sure they're on board with what you're doing. I was fortunate to have, I am fortunate to have a very supportive husband. And Mike stepped up in a big way when I went back to school to help make things happen around the house that I had normally taken care of before. I don't think I realized how fortunate I was to have a husband that was that supportive until during my first year back after that 10-year hiatus, I got to know another student in one of my class. She was in a couple of my classes. I think we had the same major. And um, we kind of got to know each other because she, she was younger than me, but she was a little bit older than the typical student. We got to talking about school because she was just starting college for the first time. And, you know, when she found out my husband was supportive of me doing this, she kind of shook her head because she said her husband, it's hard for me to even say this all these years later, because I still can't believe this, that this happened. But her husband, when she decided to go back to school, he was not supportive of it. He left her because he didn't want any, told her he didn't want a wife who was more educated than he was. He had not been to college. So she was dealing with all of this without the support of her, of her spouse at the time. My heart went out to her. I can't imagine what that would be like. It made me very much appreciate a husband who would step up and help out. My older kids helped out. You know, by the time I went back to college, Rachel was, she was 12 or 13, maybe. So she was able to really, and, and Matthew was a year or so younger than her. So they were able to help out and do different things. And I had, before I ever went back to school, I had made a point of teaching my kids to, to be helpful around the house and do different chores and things like that. So they were able to help out. Rachel, um, when I was talking to her about this topic, she she mentioned that one thing that helps her manage going back to school with, with a husband and four kids is that her kids are old enough to be somewhat self-sufficient. So they can step up. Our oldest granddaughter is, is 15. And so she's able to help out a lot. Uh, you don't want to 
take advantage of your kids and put too much on them. So you, you want to be sensitive to that. But families are a team, right? And so you want to get them on board and, and doing their part, at least. Rachel did say that although her kids are self-sufficient and able to help out and do lots of things uh, on their own. She said, still, sometimes she just decides, you know what, I'm not going to study tonight. I'm going to be present with my family. And she says, then you just have to find another time to fit in the studying because sometimes it's more important to set that aside as much as she wants to excel in her schoolwork. She also wants to be a good mom. And this goes back to that challenge of kind of balancing it all out. And why I said, you've got to kind of play it by ear day by day to figure out where's the right balance. Sometimes you tell the kids, we're going to have pizza for dinner and you guys can watch a movie. I got to, I'm going to work on this paper. But sometimes the answer is I'm going to set aside my studying for now. I'm going to, we're going to do something together as a family and then I find another time to study. So get, but any, in any event, getting your family on board is a big, a big piece of making this work on a more, you know, on the school related kinds of stuff, probably for me, one of the most important keys to being successful in school as an adult. And, and even when I was younger, uh, aside from being, organized and, you know, organizing and managing my time well, was learning to take good notes, being very engaged in class, listening, paying attention and taking good notes. If you don't know how to do that, your school will have a department or an office that can help with developing study skills, note taking skills and, and things like that. Take advantage of those services that your school offers. You're paying for them as part of your tuition. So go in there and get help in learning how to do that. But taking good notes, not only does it help you stay kind of focused and engaged during class, but it gives you resources to go back and use to, to study and prepare for exams. And I think that that's a key skill to learn. On a sort of similar note, though, another suggestion I would make is definitely make a point of trying to develop relationships with one or two others in your classes so that if for some reason you have to miss a class because of a family situation or something else, you've got someone who will share notes with you and you can do the same for them. So developing those relationships, maybe as an adult student, you're not going to be one who's, you know, going out clubbing with the, the other students at, on the weekends or hanging out on campus with them, but you can still develop relationships in class and, um, you know, and let it be a reciprocal kind of thing where you get to know them, they get to know you, you can share notes and maybe work together on projects. The other thing I always recommend is that you get to know your professors. Uh, this to me was a really key element of my success as an older student. I got to know them, they got to know me. And that meant a couple of things. When on those occasions when I needed an accommodation for some reason, maybe an extension because of a, a child being sick or something like that, they were more likely to give those accommodations because I had shown myself to be a diligent, engaged student and they knew me. They knew how committed I was and they knew about the backdrop of my, you know, my 
attendance at the school. And so make a point of stopping by your professor's office early in the sem- each semester during office hours. They all post them. Make a point of dropping by to introduce yourself ask a question and start a a dialogue with them and getting to know them. I always tried to do that, to get to know my professors, make sure they knew who I was. Uh, But it wasn't just sucking up or, you know, trying to get an in with them. It was really, I wanted to know them. I wanted to do well. And when I needed advice or I needed a recommendation for graduate school or something like that, they knew me and they were willing to do that because I had made a point of getting to know them. Like I said, stopping by during office hours from time to time, but also paying attention, being engaged in class. I usually sat, uh, I always showed up on time. I always, um, sat not in the front row, but near the front, maybe two or three rows, you know, the second or third row back and paid attention, taking notes, engaging in the discussions in class. All those things are going to help make the learning experience better. And they're also going to help you develop those relationships with your professors. Um, Ash or Rachel was telling me that uh, she was talking with one of her advisors today and or one of her professors and, and he, this professor basically said, you're the kind of student we love to have because she's there. She cares about doing well. She cares about the subject matter and she makes a point of getting to know them. And then the last tip I would offer was something that Rachel mentioned when I talked to her. She said, it's important sometimes to take a break from all of it, from school, from work, from kids, from housework, all of it, and spend some time doing something just for yourself. And you may be rolling your eyes and thinking, how am I ever going to do that uh, when I've got so much on my plate? And, you know, Rachel certainly could relate to that. Like I said, she's in college, she works part-time, she's got four kids and a husband and a house to take care of and a a dog and a cat and all, all the things that a lot of us deal with. But she insists, and I agree with her, that it is important to build in breaks and not wait until you're burnt out and exhausted, but intentionally take breaks away from it, whether it's to get away, you know, to have lunch with a friend or just to do something that you enjoy. Um, She goes and and participates in a choir because she loves to sing. And so that's something she does for herself. And you may feel like you don't have time, but to me, that's mental health time. And it's an important part of maintaining your ability to be productive in all the areas that matter to you. So Lisa and all of you who maybe wondered about this sort of thing, These are some of my thoughts on the experience of going back to school as an adult and how to succeed at it. I'd love to know what you think, though. If you are or have been a college student, whether you're in your early 20s just now in college after high school, or whether you're an older student going back, what are your best strategies for succeeding in school while still living your life and staying you know, physically and mentally healthy. I'd love to know what you have to 
say about that. Share those with the rest of us. You can share those in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 363 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, definitely let's talk about this there. Share your experiences, your best strategies and tips for succeeding in school and um, managing that, that interesting balance between school and life. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I'd love to talk with you about it. You can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I think that's it. Remember, if you want uh, a productivity tool that can help you with all the typing and writing you're going to have to do while you're in school, don't forget to visit our sponsor, textexpander.com slash podcast to see how they can help you uh, and to get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. And thank you so much to Text Expander for your longtime support of the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode. I thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that's helpful or interesting to you. I, I'd love to hear from you, as I said, and I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.